Podcast. I'm your host, John Gonzalez, joined every week, I would say, uh, joined every week by Isaac Lee. This week is a different week. I'm joined by uh, our first ever producer who has moved on to bigger and better things, but is filling in this week. Kyle is here. What's going on, Kyle? How's it going? A lot of people don't know that. That's right. You were back in the day with Heat Check 1.0 when it was me and Juliet on the regular. You were the original podcast producer, and then you became too talented and too famous for us, and you went on to the Big Bosses podcast, but you're here for this week. Yeah, feeling good. It's excellent. Happy Monday. Yes, happy Monday. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers listening, uh, and everybody at The Ringer who's a father, especially uh, Shea Serrano, who had a tough run, tough run with Kawhi Leonard, uh, but he's got a beautiful family, and congrats on El Chai beating Germany, so that's fun, but we're going to get into Kawhi a little bit later. Got a lot of content about that on The Ringer. KOC has a piece up right now. Is it finally time for the Spurs to rebuild. That certainly will not help ingratiate him to Shea, but he's a very brave man. Uh, and also we've got Riley McAtee on uh, the ringer.com right now, the most likely landing spots for Kawhi. Riley's going to join us a little bit later in the program. He's actually a Kings fan, which I didn't know that there were any, but he is, and he's going to join us. And we're going to talk to him about the draft along with Tate Frazier, uh, check in with those guys uh, ahead of Thursday night's big NBA draft festivities. We've also got NBA Desktop with Jason Concepcion, which has been killing it. We've got the Bill Simmons podcast. He just had Kyrie Irving on to talk about Kawhi and J.R. Smith in the finals and all kinds of good discussion about player empowerment in the NBA. And uh, today he's bringing on a bunch of Ringer staffers for a mock draft pod. You want to check that out. And Tuesday, it's happening. The big courtside at the NBA Finals on HBO. That's uh, June 19th at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Bill was all over the finals. Kyle was there with Tommy. They're all over the finals, uh, talking to people, getting a ton of access, a lot of interviews. I'm super excited to check that out. And uh, also, the World Cup is ongoing. We've got Ringer FC every weekday during the during the uh, World Cup. So you want to listen to that. Uh, so like I said, later in the show, we're going to have Tate Frazier and Riley McAtee to talk about the draft in the Kings. But first, because there's so much Kawhi and off-season fun stuff to discuss, we've got to bring in one of our favorites. It's been way too long since I've talked to him. I'm excited. All right, joining me on the other line, it has been far, far too long since I've talked to him. We've texted a little bit, but uh, I haven't seen him since I was in D.C. From Shack House and House of Carbs, a very special happy Father's Day to Joe House. House, how are things? Wong gone. I am not worthy. So happy to be back on the heat check. Uh, I had to warn you, I um, have turned off my basketball brain. I'm, I'm now just <laughs> purely ready for the, for the soap opera. For the drama of the postseason, it was very merciful of the Golden State Warriors to execute the Cavaliers in four quick games so we can all move on and get to the really juicy part of the NBA season, which is where we are right now. The offseason. It's wonderful. And the last time I talked to you, you were not a champion, and now you are a champion. Congratulations to you and D.C. on the Capitals win. It's hockey, so it's like three-fourths of a cha cha championship. But it yes, Caps, Caps, Caps. C-A-P. <laughs> okay, I'll stop. Is, that what, is wow. that what you guys do there? <laughs> wow, when you least expect it, Wangan. It's the very best thing ever. It's the best, best, best thing. Among 10,000 great things, how much do you enjoy? You're a, you're a, a, a an objective observer. You have no real uh, dog in the in the hunt. No real uh, horse to ride in the race. How about Alexander Ovechkin? That's amazing. It was fun. He's obviously really enjoying himself, and I'm happy for my friends in D.C. like you, and I've got a couple other friends in D.C. I did, however, I was at a bar last night. Uh, my father-in-law is in town, and uh, we went out. We had like a sort of a dad summit with a bunch of dads, took them out, and I ran into uh, a Washington football fan who saw you know, various Come members on. of our congregation wearing Eagles we gear. To go in that direction. Well, this go is what ahead. I'm saying. So I was like really happy for all of DC and this guy comes over and he goes, Oh, you guys are Eagles fans. And I said, yeah, isn't it, isn't it great that they won? And he was giving me a heat, a bunch of heat about how it's the only championship in Eagles history. And I'm like, when was the last time that the Washington football team won one? It's been a long time, homie. Don't, I don't need that. I don't care about that. That's what I'm saying. I don't, I don't care I don't, about I don't, the Caps. I don't like it. That's is that. It, this is the way we should do it. We should be happy for each other. I'm happy for the Caps for you. You're happy for the yeah. Eagles for me. You can't have the negativity yeah. of the Washington football fans. 
Yeah, I, I disagree with that guy. Whoever that guy was, he, he had the wrong take. He's the right out. take is just talk about the Caps. The only thing that there is to talk about is the, the world champion, the Stanley <laughs> Cup owners. They, they, you know, it was a, as Tom Wilson said, not everything that happens in Vegas stays in Vegas, baby. <laughs> it's very exciting uh, for you, for DC. It's also, as you said, uh, NBA offseason, which is exciting. And I hope will be, uh, it has to be more entertaining than the NBA finals was. But uh, we have this Kawhi news that I wanted to run past you. Uh, it's been the big talk of the NBA offseason already in advance of uh, free agency. And also, of course, Thursday night's NBA draft, which we're going to get into a little bit later. But Kawhi report, there are reports that he wants out of San Antonio. There were, you know, there was a little bit of smoke this season that, you know, he didn't play much. Uh, and there was a lot of uh, controversy about things that Tony Parker and Manu Ginobili said about how Kawhi could come back. And Pop said that Kawhi could come back and Kawhi didn't come back. And now it doesn't, it looks like he doesn't ever want to come back. Are you surprised, Joe House? I, I'm not surprised. The, the hardest thing ever to divine with the NBA, and this is part of what makes it's so delicious is separating truth from fiction and every single story that you hear about a player's intentions, other than what comes out of that player's own mouth. And even when it comes out of that player's own mouth, you can only ascribe like 60% credibility to it, depending on the player. But, uh, there's so much r rumor and sources say, and people are saying, and I, we heard this and I just really have a hard time believing anything it is apparent that Kawhi and the Spurs franchise were not on the same page with his treatment protocol yeah and they were also not on the same page it seems about sort of the nature of the injury so I understand that there may have been a rift created because of you know a, a false step and some distrust that has entered that relationship but None of that has to be dispositive in terms of what Kawhi and the Spurs ultimately uh, want to do. I will say the Spurs are in a really precarious position. There are about like six or seven teams that I sort of think, the playoff teams, that um, share this same precarious position of being in a no-man's land in terms of their player personnel and the direction of the franchise. The problem the Spurs have is they have a whole bunch of old guys yeah. and Pop who may only have another couple years left in his, his coaching career. So what's a young guy like Kawhi who just had this year's worth of experience where for the first time maybe he, he feels like the franchise doesn't have his back, what is he to think? What is he to do? What's in Kawhi's best interest? It's very, very rich uh, to, to think about it, uh, Wang Gan. It's exactly what you said. It's a precarious position. Our buddy KOC wrote a piece for the ringer.com, which, uh, Shay has vowed never to read, uh, which is basically like, Hey, is this like the crack that's finally going to sink, uh, the Spurs otherwise unsinkable organization? Are they going to have to even rebuild? Because as you mentioned, you've got Kawhi, he's their main guy. He evidently, according to reports, doesn't want to go back. And then if you unplug him, what kind of return are you going to get? You mentioned Pop. How many more years does he want to continue to do this? He's taken on the USA basketball thing. Like, is he long for the game? Tony Parker's on his way out. Manager Nobly is my age. I mean, like, what are you doing with this team? Is Marcus Aldridge your main guy? Like, is it finally time? And, and this was a really interesting uh, thought experiment that KOC went through in his piece. Is it finally time for the Spurs to rebuild? And that seems almost unthinkable because it's been, what, two decades almost that they haven't had to even think about that. Yeah, and they, they've had the luxury of, uh, and, and, you know, I don't mean to, to call it, you know, it's not like it's luck. They, they built this luxury themselves, but the continued stability that that emanates from a 20-year Duncan career mm -hmm. and a fifth I don't know how long Ginobili and Parker but let's just say 15 years for each of those guys like there's real franchise continuity there that you know at some point is going to come to an end I feel like we're right on the brink of that end and just from a talent uh perspective I, I who is their best player it's it's Aldridge uh, I, I, I guess, but like <laughs> yeah. who, who, who's their second best player? I, I don't know. And it, it would be, it would be 
crazy if they unplug Kawhi, but it, I don't know what other recourse they have. And it, it looks like, according to these reports, that, uh, you know, it seems like the uncle and the family are sort of driving this because they think he's undervalued. He turned down that $20 million extension with Nike uh, because they thought that he was worth more and that maybe like the San Antonio market is is sort of um you know, sapping his value. Do you think, yeah. I mean, is he undervalued? He's one of the best players in the NBA, but it's not like he's the scintillating entertainer in this presence. He doesn't, when you think of Kawhi, you think, you know, he's a two-way player. He's fantastic uh, defensively. He can lock down anybody. He's super switchable. But I don't immediately think, oh man, I got to hear what Kawhi had to say about this. Or did you see what Kawhi said to TMZ? Or to, Kawhi is dating so-and-so. I don't even, I, I haven't heard anything about Kawhi as a human being or a personality maybe ever. And I can't imagine that's just because of the Spurs. Yeah, so that that's we're talking about two different things, right? Yeah. I think he's properly valued from from a basketball perspective. Everybody with a basketball brain in their basketball heads knows he's uh if not a top, you know, 5 talent, he's a top 8 talent, a top 10 talent in the NBA. It, it, literally irreplaceable, right? Once you get to those guys. From a marketability perspective, it's just whatever the market will pay. So if if 20 million isn't enough, Good on you, uh, my dude. Go get more. Right. Go get more. There's a lot of guys that want to pay. Adidas wants to pay. Under Armour needs something. Under Armour needs a lifeline. They haven't had a great year. Uh, but, you know, go out there and get that money. That's fine. You don't have to take. If 20 feels like a low ball, fine. Say no. Go get one of those Chinese deals that Steph Marbury got. <laughs> I want him to have the Chinese Steph Marbury shoes. That's That would be excellent if he started rocking those. I know If I know anything about Joe House, though, I know that Joe House is a gambling man. And so I have pulled out the odds for the future potential landing spots for Kawhi. And I oh, wanna, I love this. Yeah, Thank yeah. Thank you, Wong. I, I, I want to go through this with you. So the favorite, you could probably guess the favorite, the uh, Los Angeles Lakers, he has expressed an interest to come to Los Angeles. Uh, I don't blame him. It's wonderful here. I told you, you should move out here. Uh, Lakers minus 180 favorites uh, to land Kawhi Leonard. What do you think about maybe him teaming up with LeBron here? Well, uh, that that I will not um, indulge the, the LeBron talk, but I will indulge um, Kawhi and some other superstar, um, you know, in, in kind of... Uh, uh, brand recognition, like like Paul George, like a Paul George. Uh, that that I I will indulge. Uh, minus one eighty. Wow, those, minus are, those are What what can uh, the Lakers give back to to San Antonio to make it worth San Antonio's while? Because San Antonio has some some real leverage here. I think it would have to be yeah. And well, they do and they don't because on the one hand, um, with Kawhi, his contract is up next year, so. He's got he, wherever he ends up going, he's going to have to probably convince that team that he would at least consider staying there because otherwise, you know, why are you going to trade for Kawhi, right? Like if you are, say, the Suns, the Suns said that they won't trade the number one pick uh, for in a Kawhi deal or, or a deal of, of that um, ilk. Because what's the likelihood of Kawhi going to, to Phoenix and being like, yep, this is for me. Uh, conversely, the Lakers, they'd have a great shot to keep him. So I think if you're the Lakers, that might be one of those deals where you'd consider putting Brandon Ingram in it because you could get Kawhi back. And I like Brandon Ingram a lot, but he's not Kawhi. Yeah, I mean, if it's Ingram and a pick, then then, then that's, that's a legit starting point for San Antonio in terms of a rebuild. That minus 180 price is too rich. I don't like to pay you don't like two it. to one odds. It's no good for I, you. It's too rich. You like yeah, to find no, a good putting... a good deal. You like to find the advantage in the margins. I want value. You want value. Before we move on from the Lakers, though, the, one of the things you mentioned, I like the idea of Kawhi and PG, but like obviously the rumor du jour is that it would be LeBron going with PG, and then if they could potentially add Kawhi, that would be interesting. The problem is if you're going to max out Paul George and LeBron this year, next year when Kawhi could be available, for the max, they wouldn't have the wherewithal. Their cap sheet wouldn't be able to handle three max contracts. So somebody would have to take a, get, a discount. And if PG get, and LeBron get the max up front, then Kawhi would get screwed on the back end. So I just don't know how that would work. But just from a, a purely academic fantasy, forget about the numbers aspect. If you put those three dudes on the same team, are they like? Beating the Warriors, are they still a step behind? Like, where would you match them up with the Warriors? That's a tough one. I yeah. I don't think they're beating the Warriors because uh, it's a conversation. Though. Demonstrated, huh? It's a conversation. 
Well, I'm not even sure if they're beating Houston, to be really? honest with you. If, if Houston's able to re- retain Chris Paul and if Maba Mute comes back and is healthy. I mean, it, for Houston, um, them retaining Capella and uh, Chris Paul and Maba Mute being healthy, they're already built to beat the, the, the Warriors. We were cheated of the real version of Houston that Houston intended to put out there and conquer the Warriors' small D dynasty by way of Chris Paul's hamstring and by not having a healthy Maba Mute. I mean, that, that, that was really, you can't um, uh, oversell how important Luke was defensively on the perimeter. That was supposed to be the answer. And when the entire uh, team of Houston, that was a, a what, what a, I know that all the takes have already been uh, uh, delivered on that, that shooting performance by Houston. But the, just the, it felt like I was watching, and I, I hate to liken it uh, to th- this way, a college basketball game where they, they only have one offensive set. I felt like I was watching the University of Virginia um, in that first round where they only have one offensive set, and if they can't run that one offensive set, they can't score, so they lose. Yeah. And it- I, the one criticism that I feel like it's appropriate to levy. Now, I know it's game seven. It's however many games. It's probably the most games that James Harden's ever played in his entire career. But what you're supposed to do when you're a player who goes to the rim and gets fouled, when your team can't make jump shots, you're supposed to go to the rim and get fouled so you can get buckets. (laughs) Because the important thing is to control the pace of the game and do whatever you can to, to, uh, you know, put a couple points on the board at a time. Um, In any event, I do feel like we were cheated. I feel like the Houston team is really properly built for uh, uh, you know a finals appearance, and I don't think there's anything wrong with Houston's think you know just just taking the approach we're going to run it back. LA's problem with even with LeBron and Kawhi and Paul George is who are the other guys? You have to have eight guys. You need eight, and it's just you, 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 we we've seen it. I don't we, know. Yeah. I, mean, I don't well, know. You know who didn't have eight guys? Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland, Cleveland didn't had, have eight guys, and they got their ass worked. Cleveland had one. The, the Lakers supporting cast right now isn't better than than the Cleveland supporting cast. I don't think Cleveland supporting cast was absolute dog shit. But what I'm saying to you is that during the finals, uh, Steve Kerr had mentioned, "Hey, you know, it's kind of been a weird year for us because after our our top four guys." because of uh, our personnel groupings and we've got this weird group of centers and, you know, we change it up uh, based on matchups and health and, um, you know, the players that are on our roster. But what he was really saying was after the four guys, it doesn't matter. If you've got the three guys in Kawhi and PG and LeBron, after that, it doesn't matter, especially defensively. They would be such monsters defensively that I think, like, I'd put them ahead of the Rockets in that scenario in terms of challenging the Warriors. I would like to see that happen. I just don't think they're going to be able to fit it uh, cap-wise. And then moving forward, they'd have to sacrifice so many other things. I want to run through some of these other teams, though, for you. So the Spurs, Hit are, me. Spurs are plus 500, uh, the second best odds to keep Kawhi. I don't buy that. The next best odds, Clippers plus. Why? Why, why don't you buy that? I I, I kind of like that's the that starts to feel like value to me. Five to one for him to stay with a team that uh, has contractual rights to him. Um, maybe. I think he wants out. I think I think they're gonna. Well, but then what if they say, um, guess what, pal? You we have a you have a contract. This is what I the mistake that Cleveland made last season. As soon as Kyrie expressed his intention to be traded. They indulged that and then screwed them. Cheated themselves of 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 a real market from my perspective, and that had the effect of them taking on the Celtics poo poo platter, which, as we all know, now it, there's no way that Cleveland could have forecasted that it was going to go as badly as it went. Mm-hmm. But there was a lot of indicators that it was going to not go good. Didn't go for, good for, for Cleveland. <laughs> Did didn't, not, didn't didn't go good. Did and go I good. I think that Cleveland would have been much better suited off saying, "Okay, we hear you, Kyrie." Uh, we'll think about it. You're going to come play. You're under contract. We're going to come play this season. You, we, you, you play for us. This is our team. We're going forward with you. Uh, we understand your your uh, request here, and we'll consider it. Yeah, I mean, if he's definitely walking, though, uh, so you'd you'd have to at least think about it up through the trade deadline, right? Because keeping him post trade right. deadline, Ex- precisely, right, that's right, a right. lot of time. Yeah, especially yeah. in the NBA. Uh, all right, it's so like five lifetimes. That is a that's true. A lot can happen between now and next season's trade deadline. Uh, Clippers come in at third at plus one thousand, along with the Cavaliers at plus one thousand. In in that scenario, uh, I don't know if the plus one thousand Cavaliers still have LeBron or don't. 
Uh, I think if if you're if you're Kawhi though, and you're trying to leverage a move to Los Angeles, and you end up on the Clippers, that's like uh, careful what you wish for. <laughs> that's kind of a that's, bummer. That would be very funny. I would really <laughs> laugh a lot at that. Here's the uh, I'm here's, not betting that one. I do like the Cleveland one a little bit. I think this is the one I like the most, and it makes me want to pull my hair out. Plus twelve hundred Celtics. They've got so many assets to move. Yeah. It's true. I mean, they're they're legit. I it it uh, made me very upset. Uh, Jonathan Chark's article last week on the Celtics' ability to to persuade LeBron to come, and it just makes too much sense. This is the thing. I I effing hate the Celtics. I mean, it is now. It's not really because of the rivalry. It's just old DNA hate, right? Because of of you know, in the eighties, I grew up rooting against them. My beloved Bullets um, could never. Uh, get over top of the Celtics and then, you know, uh, was up in New England for college, all those mass holes surrounding me, yeah. you know, seriously. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 and now they've, they've so perfectly constructed this, this team. I mean, honestly, here's a really interesting thing. I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like Kyrie Irving expendable to the Celtics. I mean, it could Guy be. Who never plays a full NBA season, need him for the playoffs, not playing in the playoffs kind of an expendable uh, resource with all the young talent that they have under under contract. Yeah, and he's up for another uh, massive deal. And you've got, I mean, look, this is the, the happy problem for the Celtics when you can consider, hey, would we maybe move Kyrie or would we maybe move Gordon Hayward? Or, I mean, I think the one guy who's, if you're going to talk about like untouchable, I don't think any of them are untouchable, but if you're going to talk about one guy who's probably close to it, it's probably Jason Tatum just because you have him locked down. But then you've also Agreed. got Jalen Brown. And then on top of that, you've got potentially four first round draft picks next season, plus the cadre of picks that come after it. Danny Ainge, Look, I'm with you. I am not a Celtics fan. I've spent time in Boston. I've lived and worked in Boston. I have friends from Boston. It drives me fucking insane that they're this yes. good and that they're this set right. up. And then they can look at Kawhi and go, yeah, we could put together a better package than literally anybody else in the NBA. If, so, But also, they don't have to. They, if they if they decide that the price is too rich, they could go, we're, we're set as is. I mean, they're, they're set up, and it drives me nuts very hurtful it's very I mean, the only hurtful. thing you can root for is is at some time the mileage on al horford's going to catch up with him mm-hmm. he, he he really had a truly all-star season he was the glue that hold the health the whole thing together he was the fulcrum um and and he made it possible for all those young guys to really go find themselves that was all al horford he should be a coach i mean he's 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 got the the disposition i don't know if his uh, communication skills off the floor or as good as they are on They're the excellent. floor, but that guy's got a superior basketball IQ. Yeah, he's a good dude, too. Uh, last one for you. Uh, plus 1,500, my Philadelphia 76ers. I would love to see him on that team. I don't know how they're going to pull it off. I don't know if you've heard this. Uh, thanks to the ringer.com, they don't have a general manager right now. So I don't <laughs> know who like it matters. I don't know who's picking up the phone to to make this deal with with the Spurs, but let's say that uh, as of yet unnamed general manager. I know that Alton Brand and Mark Eversley have been doing a lot of uh, handling the GM duties along with Brett Brown uh, while they're searching yep. for a replacement. But in a in a vacuum here, would you trade say Fultz, Dario, and the tenth pick immediately? Without hesitation or reservation, as fast as 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 I could get San Antonio to say yes, I would do it too. I don't yes. think I don't I don't know that San Antonio right would away. do it. <laughs> if you're, I don't know. That's kind of interesting for San Antonio. Why do you not think San Antonio would do it? If I'm San Antonio, I'm looking at it as I don't know what I'm getting out of the tenth pick. Obviously, the deeper that you go into the draft, the less certain these players become. I like Dario. Eh, I like San Antonio. They. They, they specialize in that shit. Fair enough. Fair enough. That's right. That's true. Uh, Dario, I like, but, you know, he's obviously slow of foot. They would, they, he would be great in that system. My main reservation, if I was San Antonio, would be, what am I getting with faults? Like, who is he? I don't know what he is. I don't know what he can do. I don't know what kind of shape his shot is in. I don't know what kind of shape his head is in. I, I know that what Kawhi be- is. That's a great conversation. Sometime we have to figure out somebody at the ringer needs to really make some inroads over there at San Antonio because their player assessment, I bet, you know, that as they look league wide and they adjudge talent um, and, and guys that they think will fit with them and work with them and guys they can rehabilitate. Um, they, they're, they're such uh, innovative thinkers. I, I'd be really super curious to see what they think about Fultz because he, he looks to me like very 
uh, redeemable, a, an enormous opportunity for reclamation with Fultz. I mean, we, you know, you, a guy just doesn't step on, a rookie doesn't step on the floor and grab a triple double um, just by effing around. I mean, Tribe Call Quest knows he he, he, he can't just <laughs> drop one. It doesn't have to go play. He's got to go play it out. I'm hoping for the best for him and for the Sixers. All right, two more quick things for you that I wanted to run past you as offseason storylines before I let you go because you're very busy. You have many podcasts. Uh, did you see <laughs> this uh, Zach Lowe story on ESPN that uh, the basketball tournament, which is like a $2 million prize of teams put together, uh, like assemblage of former NBA players and college players, and they play for basketball uh, for money for a purse they have this new format did you see this format that they were messing around no, with? i didn't see it okay so this is a proposal that um that is being talked about in nba circles the way that it works in the basketball tournament and that they're going to use this year and that uh the nba has like just looked at is at the end of games with under four minutes to go they shut off the shot clock and the clock itself. And what they do is they just add seven points to what whoever's leading. So let's say the score at the time with under four minutes is 70 to 67. They add seven points. So you would play the game to 77 points. And that's the end of the game. No clock. Huh. Yeah. What do you think about that? So wow. it would mean no overtime, but it would also potentially mean like every game could potentially have like a quote unquote buzzer beater. And you'd probably eliminate you know, not probably, you would eliminate the need for, um, you know, putting people on the line and just like automatic fouling. Well, this, this is the thing. I, uh, the first thing that comes to mind, I absolutely love the creative thinking here. What, what it, it makes, um, making a basket so important that I would be concerned about, I'd really want to have confidence in the refs. Because the real incentive is if your if your defensive uh, team is to immediately start like playing as rough and aggressive as possible because you just can't give up any points, especially if you're in the you're you're, you're down by anything. So I, I think like the game could change from a certain sort of tempo and a certain way of being played to like just a knockout, like an old 90s version of the NBA, the Knicks and the Heat, you know, uh, uh, Jeff Van Gutty holding on to a leg kind of basketball. <laughs> yeah, so you really want to know who your refs are and that you can trust those refs to, to call a game nice and tight uh, and, and keep the teams from playing the bully ball thing. That, that would be, that's my gut reaction, yeah. but I really love it. It's really wonderful. Uh, I'm, I'm less bullish on it than you, unless you can guarantee me Jeff Van Gundy attached to somebody's leg and then I'm in. Uh, <laughs> last one for you. Did you see Jordan Bell and the Warriors parade uh, where Jordan Bell ran out of Henny and got off the bus? Did you see this? I did. Okay, so my question for you, I love this. Uh, he was having a great time. My question for you is, Joe House is at the Capitals parade. He's on the float. He runs out of Henny. He sees somebody in the crowd, and somebody is offering him Henny. Are you drinking some random dude's Henny? A, a thousand percent. I mean, you, I'm the wrong guy to ask. This, I have a, a, a lifelong history. I'm the guy that goes around at a wedding. Yeah. And there's still food on the plates, all the prepared plates. Everybody, it's time for the dance floor. People at my table have food still sitting on their plate. I'm having that. There's food on a, there's a plate sitting over there at a kind of an empty station because the, the waiters brought it out but didn't realize that nobody was sitting there. That's my plate. I mean, I'm a leftover table. I'm a leftover. I'll eat. I'll, I would eat. I, offered i was in raleigh north carolina my, my family and i we i ordered a pizza that was way too big for 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 the three of us there was still half a pizza some young folks came up i said hey, this is half of a pizza that hasn't been touched now they didn't eat it but me if it had been me on the other side of that I was like, great my appetizer is this delicious pizza that that's been here already already uh, uh ready only 10 minutes been outside let's let's have it I love I love that you're offering food, but again, like just finding random food. I think I'm you need to like people. Come how on. many shots of penicillin have you had in your life? Um, I'm knocking on wood. I mean, <laughs> the answer's no, you know, whatever was None required yet. when I was a child. None Since yet. then, I've been lucky. All right. Make sure I like to, listen. to live life dangerous. I like to live life delicious, Wang God. Y yes, you and did. Other people's food can be delicious. Yes, you do. And that's why we ha you you have your own food podcast called House of Cars. Make sure to listen to him on that. And also, Shaq House coming off the U.S. Open. He has many hot Phil Mickelson takes. You want to make sure you check out Shaq House. Appreciate you, Wangan. You're the best, buddy. Talk to you soon. All right. That was Joe House. He's excellent. Uh, before we get to Tate and Riley, a word from our sponsors. 
Today's Ringer NBA show heat check is brought to you by ADT is your home and ADT home. If not, get ADT and help protect against break-ins, fire, carbon monoxide, and for a limited time only, get ADT's lowest rate starting at just $28.99 a month from the most trusted name in home security. That's just a dollar a day. ADT is the first security company to help keep you safe at home and when you're on the go with the new ADT Go app. Not to mention, ADT Go also offers a family locator, private messaging, automatic check-ins, and safe driving reports. It even includes an SOS button with 24-7 emergency response. And you get ADT Go with the purchase of any security system. Go to ADT.com slash podcast to take advantage of ADT's lowest rate. ADT, tested, trusted, proven. With a 36-month monitoring contract, early termination and installation fees apply, excludes taxes and fees, applies to traditional services only. Certain markets are excluded. Licenses available at ADT.com. Heat Check is also brought to you by Burrow. From style to shipping, comfort to functionality, Burrow has reinvented the luxury couch. With Burrow, you'll never have to choose between affordability and quality ever again. Burrow's innovative sofas and handcrafted in the same factories as other high-end realtors, but delivered for much less. Through their smarter supply chain, they've removed all the retail markups, which means you're paying for quality rather than just a designer name. Customize your burrow sofa to match your style by selecting the color, size, armrest height, and leg color that's perfect for you. That's so many options. Shipping is fast and free. Enjoy 30 days of your comfortable burrow risk-free or try out burrow at one of their partner showrooms today. We have burrow couches right here at the Ringer HQ, actually. They sent them over. Everybody absolutely loves them. Uh, It's good because we spent a lot of time sitting. We're, we're fans of sitting. We would do a lot of writing, and for writing, you need to sit. They go hand in hand, and uh, Burrow hooked us up. So go customize your own Burrow and get $75 off your order by going to burrow.com slash NBA. That's burrow, B-U-R-R-O-W dot com slash NBA for $75 off your purchase. Burrow makes a luxury couch for real life. And now, let's bring in Tate and Riley. All right, joining me in the studio, first time ever. Uh, Ring, what is your title here, technically? Assistant editor. Assistant editor Riley McAtee is here. Also, chief supreme Kings fan yeah. Riley McAtee, I think, is in the title. Yeah. And now a repeat offender. He's mm-hmm. been on the Heat Check before. He's one half of the Sh- One Shining podcast. Tate Frazier is here. I'm an assistant to the editor. Assistant to the editor. I haven't quite gotten to the next level yet. I'm trying to get where Riley is. Multiple podcast host. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I ran into your other half. I won't say the better half. You're the better half. The Ohio half of us. The Ohio half of the One Shining podcast. I ran into him outside of uh, the stadium before, I think, game four. Mm -hmm. And we talked. We did a video together. But he doesn't show up on the podcast. No. He couldn't be bothered. No. He, Could not be bothered. I don't even Mark know Titus. what he's doing today. I, I Probably nothing. Him. Yes. Absolutely nothing. Feet up. Guarantee is Lounging. Nothing. Yes. Ye- yelling about the Watching NBA. Watching Pacers games or doing whatever Probably he does in not. his free time. I'm not sure. He doesn't, we'll he doesn't like the NBA as much. He likes college basketball. But that's why I wanted to have you guys on because uh, Thursday is college basketball kickoff season uh, in the NBA. We've got the NBA draft. It's a very exciting time. We've got all kinds of stuff happening on the ring. We're going to have a live show. But it's interesting for you, Riley, because you are right at the nexus of a lot of rumors <laughs> happening in the in, in the NBA. You've got Kawhi potentially being rumored, uh, Sacramento being interested in Kawhi, and then also the number two pick. It's very exciting for the Sacramento fans. Yeah, interesting is one word for it. I'm very anxious, <laughs> very nervous. It, it looked like it was going to be easy with Phoenix making a selection and mm-hmm. then us picking one of the two guys who wasn't their pick. And now it's there's there's no end to the rumors. Let's let's start with Kawhi. Yeah. Um, do you do you want you should want Kawhi? The problem is, does Kawhi want Sacramento? You don't want Kawhi. You're shaking your head at me. Too much pressure. Uh, if if he's gonna resign, yeah, obviously I want Kawhi, but I, he's not gonna resign in I've, Sacramento. So let's pass. Let let's get somebody who who we can keep for four or five years. This is a reasonable uh, Sacto take because. I want nice things for Sacramento. I've been there quite a few times for work purposes. You're right. He's not resigning there. Like, if you're Kawhi Leonard, you're not going to be like, you know where I'm going to resign? With Vladi Divac. Yeah. Give me, give me like, all the Sacramento <laughs> yeah. I can I trust Vladi to find all the talent that I need, even though I've been complaining <laughs> about this for a couple of years because I can't, you know, draw free agencies to, to San Antonio, but they want to go to Sacramento. That's what yeah. he's thinking, right? I'm hoping. 
I mean, look, it would jumpstart their team, but I just don't. <laughs> for one year. <laughs> for one year. And then, like, what's the likelihood? So I, I, I'm with you. I, I think he probably doesn't go there. Let's, let's, but out of, just for fun, let's think, like, okay, they're going to make the trade. Would you trade the two and De'Aaron for Kawhi? I, You'd have to it, get some assurances, uh, right? Yeah, I, I need to talk to Kawhi and and at least understand that I can convince him that Sacramento is a beautiful place. It's we should call city. him, Kyle. I know call you, Kawhi right now. Let's talk to him. Let's get him on the phone. Let's figure it out. I want that to happen. Wait, so yeah, like it, 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 he wouldn't have um, commitment, right? He wouldn't say like I'm definitely doing it. But if he said to you, I'd consider it. If he gave you like a man, maybe. I mean, that wouldn't be enough for me. I'm Not also man, I'm also in love with Luka Doncic, but okay. you know. I would need Kawhi to be like, I'm all in. I'm here for Vladi. I'm here for Sacramento. And he's not going to say that. So, so you don't want to do the Sam Presti deal where you bring in Paul George for no. a mercenary season, basically. No, because Presti had an MVP to pair up with Paul George, and he could say, hey, we'll make a run right now. Obviously, it didn't work out that way, but Sacramento's not making a run. If they bring in Kawhi, what do they win? Like 45 games? I don't yeah, know. You have Harry Giles coming back. There, there's so much excitement in Sacramento. <laughs> I hope they can figure that's, it out. That's tough. All right. Well, let's let's go through. We have the Ringer.com's uh, NBA Draft Guide. You can find that at NBA Draft. TheRinger.com. You can also just go to our homepage and find it. Uh, the gang did some really good work with Charks and Chow and KOC, and also Roger Sherman has been involved, and uh, Mark, Mark Titus, Titus is throwing yeah. some stuff in there. Uh, but let's assume that everybody, what we know about the draft is correct, that the Suns are going to keep it. DeAndre Ayton goes one. Boom, the Kings are on the clock. Take it away, Riley McAtee. I'm taking Doncic, no doubt about it. I think he's just a creative scorer. He's like an all-time passer. And he has so much hardware from uh, from the international game. He's the a shot great is a little player. spotty, right? It comes to goes. Uh, it's been going recently. Yeah, it's, he, going it's, recently. it's plummeted recently, like his numbers have. But over the long term, he's been pretty good. He's got a great step back. He can get to the rim. He can see guys that to create offense. I really think he's just like a guy who will take your team to the next level. What about uh, footwork wise? He looks like a little slow sometimes. Or there's a no little. reservations. You're already all the way in. I can tell. He did, okay, yeah. He doesn't have like the athleticism to wow you like some of these other guys at the top of the draft that may make his ceiling a little bit lower. But we see lots of guys who don't have maybe the top top tier athleticism become all stars and superstars in the NBA all the time. And what this guy's already done in Europe indicates to me that his ceiling is as high as anybody's. My favorite thing about the the whole Luca talk is that everyone is putting it on Vladi as if like just because Vladi is a European. European basketball player, he's supposed to know if Luca's for real. You know, <laughs> yeah. everyone's like, this is Vladi's chance, you know, to let everyone know that he understands European basketball. Yeah. And poor Vladi is like, I mean, I got Bagley that I can pick from. I got Jackson. I got Porter Jr. possibly. My question to you as a Kings fan, I mean, there's been all these rumors about, you know, Michael Porter Jr. You know, obviously didn't do the workout. He's kind of like been back and forth. We don't know how healthy he is, but it seems like a Kings pick for them to take Michael Porter Jr. number two and for everyone to freak out and get excited and say, hey, we may have gotten the best player in the draft, but then he has a Harry Giles type situation possibly where he sits out the full year. Would you be upset if they took Michael Porter Jr. and he didn't play next year and they just play for the long game? Uh, I mean, I'm not upset if they play for the long game at all. Because they're upset. young. Last year's draft yeah. was great. You know, you get those four guys coming in, and it, it was good to see all those college guys, you know, from big programs go there, and it kind of rejuvenated everyone, I think, a little bit. So if they did Michael Porter Jr. and they just go young, that's why the Kawhi thing I don't like, because I'd rather them just stay young, go young. I mean, I guess Luca working great for them for the last <laughs> yeah. 12 years or however many years it's been. Hey, it's it going great. Yeah, you it's can't rush fun. these things. Yeah. Take your time. Uh, all right, so you like Luca On our uh, Ringer.com, um, draft board. We have Marvin Bagley the third going there. He's yeah. a Duke product. Yes. Take that part out of it. Mm -hmm. Just tell me what kind of player he is, Tate Frazier. He is a springy basketball player. He is, he can jump up and, and get, to, get to the basket easily. Uh, he is, what he's saying, everyone's calling him a tweener, but what I say about Marvin Bagley is he's 6'11". Um, somehow he's become Jalil Okafor. Mark Titus and I have talked about this a little bit, that somehow he keeps getting compared to Jalil Okafor as if he's slow and is not going to be able to do That is all the red flags. As a <laughs> Sixers and a Philadelphian, uh, that is all the red flags. I, it, I, they couldn't even get the the first syllable out, and I'd be like, "Nope, out." If you're if you're just starting to form the word "jaw" in your mouth, I don't want any part of it. And I think it's crazy because he's nothing like Jalil Okafor. I think he's so athletic. I think, he, like I said, he's a very springy basketball player. He gets up and down. And a lot of people going into the season said that he was going to be the number one pick. So I don't understand how he's fallen so far out of favor with some people. Um, it seems to me that if you get Marvin Bagley and you have Scow and you have Harry Giles and you have that young front court, you can really build something nice there. So I do like Bagley. I don't like that he keeps talking about how he's a great defender, but he's still learning. 
you, you can't say I'm great, but I still want to learn. You know, that's mm. a contradiction. So I'm hoping that he goes in and someone's like, hey, Marvin, yeah. you got to really buy in on defense. You got to be able to switch on these guys. You really got to be our guy on the back end, be a be a rim protector for us. So He played a lot of zone at Duke, didn't he? Well, Duke didn't play defense last year. That's the other thing with Bagley. Like, everyone's like, he, he's a bad defender. It's like, no, they just played zone. Coach K didn't want to teach yeah. them how to play man-to-man defense. So uh, also on the ringer.com, Kevin O'Connor has a take that I wanted to run past you too. <laughs> uh, Kevin AOC. O'Connor made the case for Wendell Carter Jr. over Mar- Marvin Bagley the third. Uh, part of it was defense uh, and that Wendell Carter is supposed to be the better defender. Uh, you're shaking your head immediately. You're not buying KOC's take. Well, it just makes me nervous to think that we might draft Marvin Bagley at number two, and it turns out he's not even the best player on his own team. On Duke? Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we could have maybe gotten like five different guys who might be better than Marvin Bagley. Yeah, it'd be like if the Celtics took Luke Kennard number three last year and Jason Tatum, you know, goes number whatever to the Pistons, number 12 for the Pistons. You know, would have been better for the Pistons. Yeah, that'd be great for the Pistons. Yeah. It'd be great for SVG. He'd probably still be there at this point. But I think Carter, the interesting thing to me about Carter is that he didn't shoot a lot at Duke. They didn't let him like basically run the offense through him. I think he only took more than 10 shots, like five or six times the entire season. So there is some excitement there. But if I'm the Kings and I like Carter more than Bagley, why don't you just trade back? Yeah. Because you can get Carter at 7-8 range. That's how I feel about Michael Porter, too. That's how I feel a lot about, about a lot of these guys. It's so just it's Take like the pressure off Vladi. Yeah, he doesn't want to have the number two pick. Let him let him go back and let him get a guy that's talented and everyone's like, hey, he did it with a value. You know, maybe get some nice people to write some nice blogs about him and say how great he did, great of a job he did for and, once. And Vladi's had two drafts as the general manager in Sacramento, and he's traded back in the first round in both of them. So he, he could Vladi easily do that. Vladi is stressed out right now. He's, he's chain-smoking yeah. Eastern European cigarettes. He doesn't know what's going to happen. You mentioned uh, Michael Porter Jr. We have him four on our list. A lot of health concerns with him. You've seen him a couple of times, but not (laughs) not enough to... Nobody really knows what he can be, right? There's more hype about Michael Porter Jr. than there's actual evidence that he's going to be any good. How do we feel about him? I will say this about Michael Porter Jr. I I bought in. I, I believed in him. I watched the Jordan Brand game when he was in high school, and I was like, I like this guy. I remember Steve Ballmer came on Bill's pod and, and was talking about this kid from you know Washington that he fell in love with and was so talented and he believed in. And then I watched him at Missouri, and I'm like, I'm not sure this guy knows how to play basketball. Like, what is going on here? He looks like he should be you know great at basketball, but he looks lost out there. Somehow his brother Jonte looked better than him, and you know more polished Jonte decides to go back to Missouri, and now Michael's in this weird position now. Now where he, he's kind of moving up draft boards, but every, other teams and doctors are saying that, you know, they're worried about the hip. That's the big thing now. We're worried yeah. about his hip. It's not just his back. So when you hear multiple issues, that scares me away from him. I think if you have a top five pick, I would not waste it on Michael Porter Jr. right now. Yeah, when we were sitting at seven before the lottery, I was hoping that he could fall to us. Because yeah. I just figured, hey, you take an injury risk on a guy, but his ceiling is as high as anyone's. Why not? Why not take a home run swing? But at number two, no way. Give me somebody who is healthy. Listen, Give me somebody who hasn't had back surgery. <laughs> if the Kings take a injured dude with massive back problems mm. uh, who barely played college basketball, number two, that would be like the most Kings thing ever. I'm yeah. rooting for it as a narrative. Uh, we've got Na- Jaron Jackson, number five, and Mo Bamba, uh, number six, two big men. I actually went out and saw Mo Bamba. I wrote a big piece about him for the ringer.com. Uh, he is an exceptionally smart nice kid I think like you get him on your team and you know he's going to try hard and he's going to fit in and you're not going to have any culture issues he's adding a shot it looked pretty good to me he's working with Drew Hanlon who's a guy who helped uh, overhaul Jason Tatum's shot Jason Tatum went from about a league average projected shooter in college to all of a sudden being one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA and then also played great defense we already know Mo Bamba can play defense it would be really interesting if Mo Bamba adds a three-point shot really interesting I've been watching the, the like the Instagram, Twitter videos that they're putting out of Mo Bamba. It's like 12 seconds of him just putting up threes, and he looks amazing. I, I'm always a little skittish on those sorts of things just because anything can look good in those uh, sure. small amounts of uh, sample sizes, yeah. you know. Uh, we even have on this list, uh, he's a perimeter threat. He's a three-point shooting Rudy Gobert. I mean, that sounds pretty good to me. I don't know who wrote that, but that, that sounds pretty awesome. Uh, I'm a little hesitant to buy into the whole three-point shooting thing with Bamba. I do like the fact that he has a 7'10 wingspan. That's... I mean, that's unheard it's of. It's a big weak span. Yeah, yeah, like, I, I think we could take that and make something out of him. At, at the worst, I think you have a position where he could be, you know, a rim-running guy like a Clint Capella and just put him and hopefully he protects the rim and is a good piece for you. Everyone looks great in the gym. <laughs> exactly. Everyone looks great when they're yep. shooting threes against mm-hmm. the air. Especially in that gym, right? I mean, like, uh, 
when I walked in, this is a, a something I put in the piece, but so I was like trailing Mo Bamba that day and we were hanging out and we had multiple sessions at the, at the gym, which is by, out by LAX. And, uh, for the second one, it was just Drew Hanlon, who's the trainer and, uh, Mo's mentor, Greer Love and me. And like, there might've been like two other people there, very mm -hmm. few people. So afterwards, uh, Mo's shooting just threes the whole night, right? That was the whole second session. And he goes, man, he looked good. Didn't he? Drew Hanlon said this to me. And I said, yeah. And he goes, but he's just in a gym by himself, right? And I said, well, yeah. And he goes, didn't the ringer make fun of Joel Embiid scoring on a 5'11 white guy in a gym <laughs> by himself? And he's like, I was that 5'11 white guy. <laughs> Joel looks okay right now. I think he's right, though, to a point. Like, you have to start somewhere, right? And, like, if you can get comfortable with that shot, even if it's in an empty gym, it's better than not having a shot. Yeah, I don't. I, I think the big thing is I don't want him to fall in love with that jump shot. You mentioned Embiid. I think he said he was trying to mirror his yeah. game a little bit after Embiid, which is nice. Embiid, my biggest knock on Embiid always is that he does fall in love with that jumper a little bit, even though it is a beautiful jump shot. And I, I love watching him take shots. But sometimes when he's taking threes, you're just like, hey, Joel, can we just get down on the post and maybe you know make some things happen? Because you have yeah. Akeem Olajuwon's moves in the post. Um, let's see if we can do there. My favorite thing about Bamba is Emeka Okafor. Uh, they're, they're Harlem, New York kids, and Emeka has been mentoring him a little bit. I'm a big Big fan of Mecca Okafor. He's a smart basketball player, and I think some of that stuff. If you get some of those little basketball tendencies to rub off on Bamba, you can play early, and that could be a good thing for you. Yeah, great for any team at five to six. I'm not taking him at two. Not taking <laughs> him at two. Uh, all right, a couple more here to round out the top ten. Riser in the draft. Kevin Knox. Yeah, you're just nodding. <laughs> you're, you're not a Kevin Knox guy. No, I do like Kevin Knox. I think uh, I am just a little stunted by what I saw at Kentucky in the NCAA tournament and late in the season. I mean, he was their guy. He was supposed to be the leading scorer. I think he ended up averaging about 15 points per game. He didn't shoot as well as I thought he would shoot. Um, I saw him in high school a little bit, and I liked his jump shot. He seemed to be overthinking a little bit. Now, a lot of those guys that go into the draft and they're trying to fix their shot and tweak their shot and are a little bit in their head, uh, that gives me a bit of concern. But at the end of the day, he's a 6'9 wing. He has all the talent in the world. A lot of people project him to be a top-five pick. So, I, I believe in Knox. I really just want him to, to work on that jump shot. And his three-point shooting is like 34%, I think, in college last year. And you got to do better than that in the NBA because a lot of people are shooting on the wings. It's it, for, Yes. Uh, you want wings who can shoot. <laughs> Everybody wants a wing no who can shoot. No one wants another MKG situation. But you're right. No, that's absolutely Even MKG and uh, also Charlotte don't want that. But um, – <laughs> I think like if you have a place to start from, right? Mm -hmm. Like to build on, because like like I said, you had Jason Tatum last year, and he's probably an outlier who just all of a sudden went from an average, like, hey, he's a scorer, but is he a shooter? Mm -hmm. To all of a sudden being a shooter, if you have a place where you can start from, that's that's hopeful. We mentioned Wendell Carter Jr. The last two are are super interesting, and and the Sixers are picking a 10, so I, I'm interested to <laughs> yeah. see what you guys think about this. Uh, on our draft board at 9 and 10, we have Trey Young and Mikhail Bridges. Uh, two pretty divisive, like almost Rorschach test guys. There's uh, Trey Young who started, like he was a very hot name probably this time a year ago and has since fallen off because he's got some defensive issues and like also his body isn't like super NBA ready. And then you've got Bridges who has been at Villanova for a long time. <laughs> uh, what do we think about those two guys? You can knock out Trey if you want to, Riley. Do it. Take Trey Young. That guy's just exciting. He's just excitement. Why not? I mean, the Sixers need scoring. The Sixers need shooting. Uh, he's a guy who yeah. could play on or off the ball. As we've seen with their current point guard situations, they are very ball dominant and neither of them can shoot. Mm -hmm. So he would fit in theory defensively. No bueno. I'm worried about that. But I could say, I mean, look, there's been rumors. This is interesting. David Griffin, there was a rumor. David Griffin, who has been uh, rumored to be a candidate for the Sixers GM job, also Ooh. then broke he's already news. Been, he's already been penciled in, basically. Everyone's already asking him questions about the Sixers, and he's like, guys, I'm still doing media work. He's one of he's one of the names that have been bandied about, but the other day on Sirius XM Radio, he mentioned a rumor saying that he knows that the Sixers are looking to move up to grab a guy who they think might not be there, and one of those guys could potentially be, be Trey Young. I would love to see Trey Young to go to a situation like that uh, just because I think, you know, with Fultz already being there, you, you've already got a guy that's kind of had the, to shoulder so much uh, of the burden of everyone keeping their eyes on him. And then if he comes in, he can basically be exactly what they wanted Fultz to be, which is a shooting guard that can also play point and help out a little bit, which would be nice. I kind of personally want Trey to go to the Magic. 
just because I want him to go somewhere where it really won't matter. Don't ruin him? Yeah, well, no, I, didn't. <laughs> I, I just want him to have the ball in his hands. No one, no, one, no one worries about it. You know what I mean? It's basically like, look, we're playing Trey Young basketball. The Magic the ball. don't draft people who can shoot. <laughs> yeah, I, that's very true. I, Poor uh, Alfred Payton. I'm shouts sorry. to Kevin Clark. I hope it works out for him. It won't. Uh, last one here, Bridges. Well, I mean, this is a guy in Philadelphia who a lot of Philadelphians are excited about because Philadelphia is like the most provincial place on the planet. Mm-hmm. And he played at Villanova <laughs> and they go, yeah, man, put him on that team. And, you know, he's a guy. He's a champion. This is perfectly <laughs> Philadelphian. Like they see that and they go, yeah, put him on. Uh, I wonder he's a little bit older, too. He's a little bit older. I, I My favorite thing about Mikael Bridges is basically he is Kerry Kittles to me. I, I feel like he plays the exact same way. I think he's a nice piece to add to a team like the Sixers just because he doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands to make an impact. He is a great defender. He's a very smart, savvy basketball player. And as much as I joke about all the Philadelphia people saying they want to have a champion, they do need someone who has a little bit of a pedigree and a little bit of chip on his shoulder. I mean, they have all the raw talent, but they need someone that's like, Here's a culture I came from, a winning culture, and I want to bring that here to the Sixers. I want to play in Philadelphia. I want to buy in here. And the fans will already love him. And I don't know. I think he fits he fits a spot where they do need that that wing on the outside where they can trust and, uh, you know, don't have to, you know, lean on Bellinelli or Ilya Sover, whoever they bring in off the bench. You get a young rookie like Bridges who will buy in. I, I like the fit. Waiver wire fodder. <laughs> yes. uh, again, I would like to have somebody, yes, that they could keep around for a little bit longer. And uh, groom for And once. groom. That would be yeah. nice. Uh, last question for you, Riley. Yeah. Thursday night, the draft is over. <laughs> Who's happier uh, Sacramento or Philadelphia with their pick? Uh, well, I think probably Philly because you guys are already a playoff squad. I, I'm, Just with I'm the too pick. nervous Just to with take Sacramento. I know because you've got a higher pick, but the no, odds of right. Sacramento <laughs> fucking it up are high. <laughs> yeah, very high. And the Sixers <laughs> don't even have a GM. <laughs> Who knows who's even making the pick? I will take the Kings. Yeah. I honestly believe that they're going to take Doncic. I know that Bagley's the most popular pick, but I, I'm drinking if the Kool-Aid. Take, I think they're taking Luka. If they take Bagley, will you be okay with it? I'll I will take 24 hours to talk myself into it, mm-hmm. and then I'll be the biggest Marvin Bagley fan. At you'll the have the jersey. You'll be ready. You'll yep. have, wear all kinds of purple. Read Riley McAtee. He's on uh, TheRinger.com all the time. Listen to Tate Frazier. He's got One Shining Podcast, mm-hmm. uh, GM Street. Uh, you're on Heat Check now. Yeah, I know. I'm excited yeah. to be on Heat Check. I'm going to add that to my resume. You're really everywhere. Uh, I want to thank those two guys. <laughs> want to thank Joe House. It's been far too long since I've talked to him. want to thank Kyle for filling in for Isaac and all of you for listening. We will be back next week on Heat Check. Don't forget, live Ringer NBA draft show on Thursday night. It's going to be excellent. We're very excited. We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.